for Jesus this morning. Oh, he's worthy to be exalted and lifted high this morning. I'm thankful for his presence in the house of the Lord today. You may be seated this morning, the presence of the Lord. Let me say welcome to you this morning. We are so honored to have you in the house of the Lord with us. If you're visiting with us, especially, we say a very special welcome to you today. Those of you that's joining us by way of live stream, we welcome you into the service as well. May the Lord bless you uh, today. Thank you for joining with us. Uh, and uh, to our church family that's joining us, uh, we, we love you. We miss you in this house, but we're so thankful that you're able to join with us this morning. Isn't God good? Amen. Yes, I'm so thankful for his goodness, for his grace, for his mercy. Those of you going to class, feel free to do so at this time. And I'm going to just jump into the word this morning with those of you in the sanctuary. I'm going to ask you to turn your Bibles to Matthew chapter number 9 this morning. Uh, if you have your Bibles with you, I encourage you to bring them to the house of the Lord. Uh, there is nothing like the sound of the rustling of pages. And uh, you, if you've got your smart device, you don't have to embarrass, be embarrassed. I've got mine too. Uh, but uh, I still like the sound of rustling of pages of the Word of the Lord. Uh, when we touch His Word, we know we're touching life and we're touching freedom and all sorts of things this morning. I'm going to give a disclaimer this morning before I get into my message, okay? I want you to just uh, have ears wide open this morning. Uh, pastor's not mad. I love everybody, all right? But I will say this. I am so just driven by the Holy Spirit this morning by what I'm going to share with you. You may find yourself moving a little bit in that chair. That's not an offense. That's conviction, maybe, okay? We've forgotten what that is in the American church. Uh, I, what I'm going to deliver today is directed to no one individual person, but it is directed to every one of us, including myself, in this room and those that are joining us by way of live stream today. If the Lord would help me, I'm going to get real close to all of us, and I've been very close to myself. I was driving down the road and was having conversation with my wife and my son and my daughter-in-law, and uh, they were making fun of me, actually. Imagine that. And, uh, but uh, Kirsten said something like this. She said, are you just bored? Because everything, you're, you're wanting to change everything in your life. You're saying you're going to sell this and do that. And, and I was like, I'm not really bored. I just don't think they got revelation yet that sometimes God really requires us to become radical followers of Christ. So, I, I, I want you to understand today that no matter what we possess, no matter what we accomplish in this life, it's all in vanity if it is not glorifying and lifting up the kingdom of God. I got up yesterday morning at 3 a.m. Some of you didn't know there was two of those 3 o'clocks in a 24-hour period, but there is. Up at 3 a.m., I was on the road before 4 a.m., and I drove 450-some-odd miles yesterday to a funeral service. Jumped in the car and drove 450-some-odd miles back to be here this morning. I can tell you this, I'm not 18 anymore, but I can still get her done, all right? <laughs> but, and uh, Alvin, not so much. He's not here this morning. He, he fell out on me, I guess. So, but... Uh, I'll have to deal with that after service this morning. So, but, uh, but as I was, I bring that up because I went to honor a friend of our family's and he was 85 years of age and Tom was just a sweetheart. He come into our lives a few years ago. Our, my niece uh, married his son and he's just uh, a super nice guy. I cannot say that we was best of buds, but he was here often. 
and we spent time together and, uh, and just was just a contagious personality. And I walk into Bavard, North Carolina in this little church and I began to see something that began to grip my heart and I already knew what I was preaching this morning. And I watched a group of people of all ages, some that was in his age bracket, 85, others as young as 14 and 15. They began to take the microphone one after another and began to speak concerning this man. Some of the stories were such as this, when I was broken and had nothing, he welcomed me. When I had nothing in my life, he put me in his farmhouse till I got myself together. Lady after lady came to the platform and took the microphone and said, I had never known the love of a father because my father didn't know how to love me, but Tom and Kay loved me. One went as far as to say this, it felt like I was walking with Jesus when I was walking with Tom and Kay. Let me say this to you this morning. Tom was not a pastor. He was not a teacher. He was not a worldwide evangelist. He was not a guy that was multiply talented or supernaturally gifted above everybody else. He was just an everyday Tom. And I listened for two hours. I will say this, it's one of those services of funeral directors like, oh Lord, are we really going to do that today? I've sat through some. But to, I sat there for two hours yesterday and when I left, I was so excited about heaven. The song that they sung this morning, I'm going to raise a hallelujah. They sung that yesterday. It's a state of worship. And I watched a 15, 16-year-old girl begin to weep and cry under the power of God because they grabbed the sense of what it was to experience the presence of God. This morning while we're sitting here in a safe place doing what we do every week, there's a world outside these walls that's never felt His presence. And they've never had the privilege to walk with the Tom. God forgive us this morning because can I tell you there's more than one Tom but most of us have abandoned the harvest I want to talk to us about that this morning please forgive me for my brokenness today But you are fooling yourself, and I am fooling myself this morning, if we think sitting here is going to save our family. You and I are going to have to begin to move again by the leading of the Holy Spirit in a manner that we have never known. Matthew chapter 9 beginning in verse number 35. Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion Why was he moved with compassion on them? Because they fainted 
and were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. Then saith he unto his disciples, The harvest truly is plenteous, but the laborers are few. Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest that he will send forth laborers into his harvest. I want to ask a question this morning, a very simple question, where is the compassion? The definition of, of compassion is simply this, it is a feeling of deep sympathy and sorrow for another who is stricken, and I believe that many people experience that, but we don't experience the rest of the definition because true compassion is also accompanied by a strong desire to alleviate the suffering. I want to ask you a question this morning. You do not have to answer audibly. But do you know somebody who is stricken or suffering this morning? Now, Here's the question. What did you do to alleviate that from their life this week? Jesus saw their condition and he realized they needed someone to intervene on their behalf because he realized they did not have the means inside of themselves to fix their current situation. But I believe in Scripture somewhere I read that he has given all power to the world? No. To who? To those that believe. Today we must understand that the responsibility does not rest upon anyone other than the church. We must look to scripture this morning concerning our current crises in America as well as around the globe and if we would be honest this morning we are witnessing the destruction of a harvest this generation is dying before it has an opportunity to even begin to live There is many things that we are seeing and witnessing daily, but let me give you just a few practical things, and I do ask that you stay with me this morning, and I promise we will, we will end uh, in an uplifting manner if the Lord will help us today, but I'm going to make it very clear to you that serving God is not always about operating or moving in a supernatural realm, but it's about being the hands and feet of Christ and working and operating in the practical realm of life. So this morning, let me share with you that tonight on this globe, anywhere from 690 to 815 million people will go to bed hungry while we have more than enough food to feed everybody on this planet. Over 2 billion people are food insecure this morning. You may ask, Pastor, what does that mean? It means that they don't know where their next meal is coming from. Over 2 billion. Undernutrition this morning, along with deficiencies in this basic couple of things, vitamin A and zinc, Two basic things that is laying everywhere account for 3.1 million deaths every year alone in children. Think about it. Daily, 25 to 30,000 children die every day because they do not have nutrition food. You know what that means? Every minute, 18 children die before they have a chance to live. And I 
our cupboards are full. But we want to tell the world, we'll pray for you. Allow me to remind us this morning, John chapter 6, verse number 33. For the bread of God is he which cometh down from heaven and giveth life unto the world. But you also must read verse 35. And it says, And Jesus said unto them, I am the bread of life, and he that cometh to me shall never hunger, and he that believeth on me shall never thirst. The question this morning is, is it possible that the world is plagued with hunger this morning because we failed to give them Jesus? Is it possible? Let me take just a moment and talk to you about water. 1.2 million deaths every year simply are the result of unsafe drinking water. Right now, 30% of the people on this globe do not have access to safe drinking water. That's over 2 billion people right now while you let your faucet run with no reservation, no concern. Unsafe water as well is one of the most driving forces for disease and pestilence that's plaguing our globe this morning. But I must remind you when I begin to think about water, I'm taken to Proverbs 25 and 25. It says, as, a cold water is, as cold water is to a thirsty soul, so is good news from a far country. But also we write in Matthew 25, 35 through 40, let me read just a few of these. Jesus said, I was hungered and you gave me meat. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you took me in. Naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came unto me. The righteous answered, saying, Lord, when, when was you hungry? When was you thirsty? When, and, but then you read on and you find in verse 40 and it says, And the king shall answer and say unto them, Verily I say unto you, Inasmuch as you have done this unto the least of these, my brethren, you've done it unto me. Could it be as simple as providing somebody with a glass of clean water? Jesus simply said these words in John 4, 13 and 14. Whosoever drinketh of this water shall thirst again, but whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst. But i got to tell you this this morning. If you want somebody to listen to and partake of the spiritual water that you have to offer, you're going to have to make sure they have some natural water to live off of. I could spend much time today talking to you about disease that's running rapid on the globe today. It's overtaking all age groups this morning from heart disease, strokes, all different types of lung issues, AIDS, STDs of all sorts, cancer, just to name a few. Men and women dying before they have a chance to live. In America alone, in the year 2019, 73,000 people died of overdose just trying to find some peace and rest, not really wanting to die. Every 12 minutes here in the United States alone, somebody takes their own life. That's 123 every day. The most tragic thing about that this morning is this, that there is only one successful attempt for every 25 that try. By the end of 2021, you will have over a quarter of a million people in the United States alone that will identify as simply this, suicide survivors. But we're going to come to church Sunday and we're going to sing three songs and we're going to listen to a message and then we're going to race to our favorite restaurant because we did what we were supposed to do. God help us this morning. There must be an awakening in the times in which we're living. The cancel culture, socialism, political correctness, alternative lifestyles, a slumbering church, a backslidden church, and all of the time a harvest is standing in the field. We truly are living in perilous times. 
we are giving a word of warning in Scripture that cannot be ignored, and I'm going to shout it from this platform this morning. Proverbs 10 and 5, He that gathereth in summer is a wise son, but he that sleepeth in harvest is a son that causes shame. I have to ask the question this morning. I've had to ask this question to myself. Is Jesus standing up on the right hand of the Father like he did for Stephen when he looks and sees me? Or is he turning his head and said, Look, I've equipped them to do all of this, but yet they're doing this. God, forgive us for slumbering while a generation has been slaughtered by sickness, disease, poverty, and evil. But notice the words of Jesus himself. He simply says in John 4, 35, Say not that there are yet four months and then cometh harvest, uh, but say unto you, lift up your eyes and look on the fields, for they are white already to harvest. There is somebody's baby outside the doors of this building today that is at their end. And they said, if somebody would just give me a way out, uh, I would listen. Uh, but the church is no longer present, uh, and therefore they will listen to what the world presents to them. And if not careful, they'll end the day in greater darkness than experiencing a release in their life. What are you saying this morning? Pastor, please hear me. What I'm saying to myself as well as you, once again, our lives must be offered as a living sacrifice unto the Lord. How was Billy Graham able to stand before untold millions? It's because one day he picked up this Bible and he says, Lord, I'm going to believe that this is your word, even though I don't understand all of it. Uh, but if you will tell me to go, I'll go wherever that may be. We pick it up today and say, Lord, I like that part, but Lord, that part's not for me. Uh, then we wonder why we bury our children. We wonder why the church houses are empty on Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday because of the simple fact we haven't abandoned a generation. While the world is pursuing this generation, we are ignoring them because they don't look like us, they don't sound like us, they don't smell like us. They don't behave like us. But can I tell you, we wasn't always like us. We must awaken to this truth, and it's a hard one to admit that we have abandoned a generation, but to abandon simply means this, to completely leave or to forsake utterly or to withdraw from. Much of what's killing a generation please hear me, is able to be canceled if we, the church, would just make the choice to show up and be present. However, we are trying to fulfill our desires and our wants and our selfish acts and neglecting God's word and his will concerning a generation. Matthew 28 and 19 does not change, nor will it. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Ghost. That is the great commission for the believer. But please hear me. In order to teach someone, you must have influence with someone. In order to have influence with someone, that someone must know that you care for their well-being. Nobody wants to hear what we have to say if we're always absent. They don't need somebody to tell them how to fix their brokenness. They need somebody to love them in their brokenness. People's not looking for you to have all of the answers. They're just asking you to be present. Which means this, we have to do that which Christ did. We must begin to meet them at their point of need. You know what the biggest need is today on the globe? Something that surpasses food, water, 
medicine. The greatest need on this planet today is love. The generation has never experienced it. They come to the house of God, they're rejected. They go to the house of their mother or father, they're rejected. They go to the house of their aunt or their uncle, they're rejected. Everybody's gave up on them because all they see is their darkness. They don't see them as Christ see them. Notice Christ saw the multitude. I didn't forget where I started this morning, but he was moved with compassion because he saw that they fainted. Let me remind you this morning very quick, quickly. If something is fainting, it means this, it is about to lose consciousness. It is something that is lacking brightness or clarity or strength. It means that it is feeble, it is weak, it is dizzy. It's also to be something that is losing spirit and courage. There's a generation today that doesn't have spirit, doesn't have courage. They don't see clearly. A boy doesn't know if he's a boy. A girl doesn't know if she's a girl. That's pretty dark. We, like Christ, must once again begin to be moved with compassion. What I'm saying this morning, please hear me, is we must begin to see the children of this world as they are our children. We must see the broken and the hurting and respond with love and try to meet them at their point of need so that we can give them Jesus. We must take what God has given us and use it for the furthering of his kingdom. He did not just bless you so you could be blessed, but he blessed you so you could bless others. He did not call us just to be receivers, but he's called us to reproduce. Genesis says, replenish multiple times. We must take what God has given. And yes, be good stewards of it, but we also must use it for the advancing of the kingdom. An example, please hear me this morning food, water, medicine, clothing are all just doors that we can use to bring life to a generation. 117 years ago, 1904, the Welsh revival had yet to begin. There was such gross darkness across Europe The church houses was empty. The church houses that was open, most of them was been pastored by women because men was not going at all. Evil was abounding. Corruption was at an all-time high in the political movement and every other movement. Teenagers and young adults was doing some of the most vile things that you cannot even speak of in mixed company. 117 years ago, much of what we see today was taking place. But one man decided he would go clean out a building and start having a place of gathering. He didn't know much, wasn't a preacher really of any sorts, but he was a man that opened it up and all of a sudden there began to be some gray-haired women come and sit. They'd listen to him speak. Thankful for gray-haired women. Amen. But on a particular day, there was a 16-year-old girl, Fonnie Evans, in a place of great darkness, didn't know what was going to happen, figuring out, if I die, am I going to hell? Am I going to heaven? Didn't know anything. She walks into this little church setting. She says, what should I do? And he said this, you need to go home, lock yourself into a room, and don't come out until you know that you are saved and on your way to heaven. That's all he knew to tell her. So she did that. 16 years old. You can read her story. 
She goes and she locks herself in the room. She begins to cry. Didn't know how to pray. She just begins to talk to God. All of a sudden, she's gloriously saved. A week later, she comes and walks back into this little church building. The gray-haired women are sitting there. The man is standing there. And for the first time, no reason why, he just decided on this particular day to just simply say, is there anybody that would like to say anything good about Jesus? He'd never done that before. A 16-year-old girl that had just been in complete darkness in the midst of a world that was full of uncertainty, corruption, and vile evil. She stood up and she said, I would like to say something if I could. She didn't even know how to testify. But she simply said this, I would just like to say that I love Jesus. All of a sudden, one of the little gray-haired women stood up and said, I'd like to say something. Tears began to come down her face and she said, I used to stand and tell him that I love him. But she said, all of this stuff going on around us in our world and all of this darkness and all of this, she said, I haven't told him in a long time, but I'd like to just stand and tell him that I love Jesus. Somebody else stood up and said, I'd just like to say I love Jesus. About that time, somebody ran out the back door and went and said, you guys got to come in here and see something. You got to experience something. The presence of God is here. By the end of 1905, because a 16-year-old girl that was spoken to, that stood up and simply said, I love Jesus, the Welsh revival spread throughout Europe over into Scotland, and the rest is history, they say. But listen, I tell you that story this morning to tell you that there is a lot of Flory Evans around you, and you and I do not even see them because we've abandoned the harvest. While the world is pursuing them with anything and everything, we, the American church, we sit out of unity. We sit with no desire or passion to get any further than we are. We want to walk in without putting any effort and expect God to meet us here. But listen, my friend, uh, I'll tell you how off base we are. I can put you in the car with me. I can take you for a five-hour drive. That's nothing. Uh, I'll take you to Nashville, Tennessee. I'll take you down Music Row. Uh, we'll park and we'll walk the sidewalk and I'll walk 10 feet and I'll hear some of the most skillful sound. Uh, I'll walk another 15 feet and how hear another most skillful sound and we can do that up and down the aisle but they wake up with it they go to bed with it they think about it they've surrendered their all to it uh, but we can't come to the house of God and give God an hour for practice uh, we can't give God an hour to study uh, we can't do anything uh, why uh, it's because everything else is precedence uh, but can I tell you a world is pursuing them uh, they said we're going to spend every dime we got to give Get them, uh, but yet we can't give a dollar in an offering uh, and then we wonder why the church don't have the facility to operate on the round that it needs to. Uh, listen, I'm not asking for your wallet this morning. Don't you dare go there with me. Uh, but I'm going to tell you something. Uh, God said, uh, if you'll take what you have and give it to me, uh, I'll take it. I'll bless it. Uh, I'll give you 12 fragments back. Uh, but if you keep close fist, uh, don't you think uh, that I'm going to bless you? Uh, listen, uh, I got to tell somebody this morning, uh, get rid of the religious garbage uh, and be the hands and feet of Christ uh, and give your life to him uh, and watch a world turn upside down. Uh, don't start clapping for me. I'll start preaching. You won't like it. Uh, listen, uh, there's men and women dying and going to hell, uh, and we're right now already thinking about uh, how can I 
get to that restaurant uh, to get that steak that I want right now. Uh, when that $30 could give uh, somebody in Africa a water uh, that would sustain them uh, where they wouldn't have to bury their children next month. Yeah, I said it. We've abandoned a harvest. Let me give you a few things before I wrap this thing up this morning. Nearly 60% of the people in Guatemala, 15 million people live there. Little bitty nation. Been there 30 some odd times. 59.7% of them live in poverty. Hear me. It has one of the highest chronic child malnutrition rates in the world. Less than half of them have running water. Only a fourth of them have access to electricity. I have to confess, I know this to be true because I've helped somebody steal electricity because I knew they was going to kill themselves if I didn't. True story. We was in, Mark can justify this. He was there. We watched guys trying to steal electricity off of an electric pole. It was sparking and carrying on. We was building a temporary church. And I sat there, I said, I can't watch this. These guys are going to die. What are we going to do? I said, I'm going to go do it for them. Hope you look the other way, Lord. But they had a light bulb in their little house when I left. He told me to be the light of the world, brother. That's what I was trying to be. <laughs> Only one in ten in Guatemala have access to modern sanitation facilities. All the while, we sit in a place of abundance. In just a few weeks, you will have the privilege to meet a young man that I'm just now getting acquainted with that Sister Vanessa knows, Brother Derek from Belize, of another very poor, stricken country. He's going to be with us and share what he's doing in the nation of Belize. He is a native there. He's going to be here on Wednesday, uh, um, March 28th. March 24th, yes. And then he's going to be with us and just worship with us on Sunday as well. It's going to be a great time. But he is operating in a realm where there is poverty everywhere. And I've been in and out a lot of these places and they, they have a hunger for the things of God and all of those types of things, yes. But it isn't enough for us just to give a message. Please hear me. We have to become laborers in the field. The lack of ability of food along with affordable medical care has led to one of the highest mortality rates in Guatemala amongst children than any part else in the world. Why do I tell you those things? Most of you are probably sitting here today. Yes, we have struggles. We have opposition. I understand that. I don't remove that from our lives. But we have to understand that there is a generation that's fainting. When you really read Matthew chapter 9, here's a few things that happened in Matthew chapter 9 that I did not share with you. There was a sick man with palsy that was healed. Matthew was called to follow Jesus. Jesus sat down with sinners. Oh, Lord, surely he didn't. Read it. You'll find it. He did. Jairus came to Jesus because his 12-year-old girl was at the point of death. The woman with the issue of blood had it for 12 years. She came and encountered him. Two blind men began to cry out to him, say, oh, have mercy on us. They went seeing. Then there was a man that was possessed. He was dumb and was possessed with the devil. He began to speak. And all of a sudden, you read where we picked up reading this morning, and it says, And the Lord went into their cities and their synagogues, preaching and teaching. 
That was wonderful. But it didn't stop there. But then it says, but when he saw the multitude, he had compassion because he saw what nobody else saw because he saw that they fainted. If we're not careful as American Christians and believers, we look at a culture and a generation and we say, oh, they're just, they're just lost, they're just hopeless. Or, well, it's just so far beyond us. We just, how in the world can we turn it around? It's, we're just one and we make all of these excuses. But we fail to see the people. Here's what I want to say to you this morning. Just like somebody that goes to the doctor and says, here's the news, you've got cancer. They didn't want cancer. The alcoholic doesn't want to be an alcoholic. The addict doesn't want to be an addict. You hear me? These young people probably don't even know this name, but some of you older ones don't get too excited when I say it. The one and only Johnny Cash. He was running up and down the roads of his life doing what he did. And somebody in his band took a little bitty pill and said, Here, Johnny, this will help get you to the next stage. He told him no multiple times before, but he was so exhausted. He took that little speed pill and put it in his mouth. And it affected him, and he was full of energy and life, and he went and did his show. And as an old man, he simply said this, For all of these years, I kept searching for that one thing that I found and never found it again. It destroyed his life until he was an old man when he surrendered to Jesus. I'm thankful for the thief on the cross moments you hear me we got to get them on the front end not the tail end you see here's the reality I can take a few thousand dollars and I can dig a well in the Sudan or Africa Guatemala police and I can provide a village a few hundred people with clean water where they don't have to bury their children or I can go take a few thousand dollars and buy that thing I don't really need but I want that I don't have time to use anyway and tell all of my friends how blessed I am and how good God's been I'm not against that. Or today, I can spend a couple hundred bucks for food and I can feed a family for a year. Or, I can take a few hundred dollars to my local food shelter here, recovery center here, and I can feed those that have nobody for another 30 days, 60 days. Or I can load up my friends and just go do what I do. And wonder why we're still burying a generation. I believe we have to have times of rest. I believe God wants us to be blessed. But God does not want us to ever abandon a harvest. As they come to the piano this morning. We must turn back with compassion that was modeled by Christ himself. And we must reach a generation. No matter what the cost, no matter what the means, we must be willing to roll up our sleeves and begin to labor and work for the kingdom. My friend Tom, 85 years of age,
He's not able to bring somebody else into his home because he don't live here anymore. He's not able to walk alongside another single lady and be a father figure to her because he don't live here no more. He can't write another check because he don't need currency where he's at anymore. But for those of us that remain, we have yet to hear the words, well done, thou good and faithful servant. And my fear is this, we will not hear those words if we leave a harvest standing in the field. I'm so glad you're here this morning. You may not be glad you're here this morning, but I'm glad you're here this morning. But as much as you're present here, I want to see you present out there, setting with the sinner, feeding the hungry, clothing the naked. Who knows, we might get on a plane and go drill a well together. I'm in. Here's the deal, my friend. He's still the bread of life. He is still the water that quenches the thirst. He is still the healing virtue that flows. He is still the power that is able to overcome all opposition. But do we have a desire for his harvest? See, you have to just read, but you also have to really read, read. It's not our harvest. It's his harvest. I sat yesterday, and that little 15, 16-year-old girl that I mentioned earlier, I watched from sitting over here kind of ironic I walk into a church I've never been in before they got reserved seating they put my because they have limited number and they got my name tag on a chair and it's the first seat on the left side down the road I was like I'm home there's even brown chairs I was like I'm home but then a little little young lady stood there and began to sing tears heard the Spirit of the Lord begin to simply speak into my heart. And I had to actually, my conversation with Alvin on the way down to North Carolina, I was talking about Flory Evans. I heard the Lord say very clearly, he said, right there is you a Flory Evans. This morning in this house, I see a whole lot of Flory Evans. I told you if you'd stay with me, we'd end good. Here's what I want to do. I want to take two minutes to exhort you. I don't see brokenness this morning out here. I don't see flaw and error out here. And this ain't to pump you up emotionally, but here's what I see in this room. I see the potential of greatness I see giftings, I see callings, I see lives of purpose, I see a God living inside of you that says you can do anything, but yet you listen to the enemy that sits on your shoulder and says you can't do nothing. But here's what I'm telling you, all you got to do is stand like Flory Evans did and say, I love Jesus, and then apply yourself to it. Those of you that are working in other ministries and doing all that you're doing, I, I applaud you for that. But can I be so bold to just be very blunt with you because I love you this much? Don't you ever take this and stand behind one of these without preparing. Musicians, singers, in this house you hear me 
And I don't mean this mean. Don't ever walk on this platform again and not be prepared to give it your all. Not just here, but before you got here. Because the world's given everything they have to reach who's in front of them. We have bought into this thing that the enemy's put before us that, well, we can't just ever get beyond where we are. Listen, when you commit to something, you can be amazing, especially when God is blessing it. Here's what I say. Music row of this world should not have the greatest of sounds. Yes, they're talented, but they've not been blessed with anointing. When the people of God has practiced and gave themselves to their gifts and callings, whether it be teaching, preaching, exhorting, whatever it is, You ought to do it in such a manner that when you step in that God looks down and says, that one's one of mine and I'm just going to bless them. I blessed them with talent, but now I'm going to bless them with anointing. And that's when you begin to see men and women run to the altar before the preacher preaches. Just a few years ago, I was sitting in London, Kentucky. I was at a pastor's conference. There's all kinds of young people there as well. This is what I saw. We was lifting our hands and we was worshiping the saints of God and we was just worshiping, and the young people was this, just doing their thing because they've heard that song before. They've felt this environment before. We did that last Sunday. But then my friend Shorty, yes, she was short. She went on to heaven now. She slid in over to baby grand piano, and her sister got up there with her and her brother got up the Wooten family. They took a microphone, didn't really need it, but they had them. They had them about down here where they weren't really working, but they began to sing. It wasn't so much that they sung any better than anybody had sung before them. But God looked down before and saw them and said, I think I'm just going to bless them because those are mine. And all of a sudden, the generation that was doing this put them down and decided to stand and see what was going on. You know why? It's because there was a group of old people up here that had made their life commitment, said we're not ever going to abandon a harvest. They weren't able to physically move and travel, but they were still climbing in a vehicle and traveling. They weren't able to really walk up get on the platform, but they're still making a way, shuffling their feet, helping each other get on the platform. Why? It's because they wasn't there for a show. They're there for a harvest. Why are you going to do what you do this week? Is it for one of these? Good job. Or is it for one of these to be tear-stained again where lives are transformed and changed? I hope this gets way past here and gets down in here this morning because there's greatness in this room. You hear me? There's greatness in this room. Not great because I said you're great. There's greatness in this room because for such a time as this, God has called you, ordained you, gifted you, and anointed you to be his hands and feet. But you got to be willing to be what Flory Heavens was. you got to be somebody to stand and say, I don't even know what I'm doing really, but I'm going to stand and just say this. One thing that I do know because I had an encounter in my house with nobody around that I love Jesus. Quit trying to figure it out, young people. Just make a decision and say, you know what? I'm going to tell the world I love Jesus. Young adults, you hear me. Quit trying to figure it all out. Just make the declaration. I'm going to tell the world I love Jesus. Don't get hung up on all the brokenness and all the failures, all the difficulty. Just say, you know what? In the midst of the storm, I'm going to tell the world that I love Jesus.
just stick around. I told my wife, I said, just, I don't know, just get ready. Things are changing. Things are different. Some of you might want to stick around. You might find some really good deals on stuff I don't need. I, I, I got to reach a harvest. Do I need five vehicles and three motorcycles? Do I, does the list just goes on. Do I need, do I need? How much is enough? I got to quit this morning. But don't say four months from now. But Jesus says, lift up your eyes. Lift up your eyes. Because now. The word now simply means present. No longer without delay. Present right now. The harvest is ripe in the field. So here's what I want to encourage you to do. Go sit down at a table with the sinner. Go fix food for your family. Swallow your pride and go tell them I'm sorry and bend some, mend some relationships. Get unity back where it needs to be. Go love somebody's children. Just go bless them to be blessed on. So I'm tell you something. You can have the harshest sinner, the most evil person, and show love to their children, and you'll soften their heart. But you can't abandon the harvest any longer. Let's take a cup of water in his name. Let's take an article of clothes in his name. Let's take a basket of food in his name. I heard Sister Melissa testify and exhorting the way she did, and then I have Brother Wade bringing me in a big old chunk of meat out of his smoker this morning. I still get an aroma every now and then, brother. I sampled it before I come out. I think I'm going to preach it more often. It starts coming back real quick. See, life is full of a circle. What you'll plan in your field today God will be standing in your field tomorrow. If I start planning blessing, I start planning things and lives of others, it's going to come back to my house. So let's don't abandon the harvest. She's standing all over the house this morning. Just love only for a moment. Anybody ever felt his love in this room? He says, freely you have received, now freely give. What have we re freely received? His love. So what are we to freely give? His love. Because he first loved us.
You're under the sound of my voice this morning as they continue just to worship. And you'd be one that simply would say this, Lord, forgive me. Forgive me for my slumber. Forgive me for my complacency. Forgive me, Lord, for losing my focus. I'm going to ask you just to, as you're worshiping, just to step out of your seat and come, stand, kneel, cross in front of this building. And I want us just to talk with him for a little bit this morning. Just tell him. Why don't you just tell him how much you love him this morning? Do you realize that when you begin to tell him how much you love him, just like Flory Evans, maybe the darkness of America could begin to be dispelled right from this house this morning just because somebody began to say, I love you, Jesus. If you need special prayer this morning, I'd love to pray with you. If you need a healing touch this morning, he's still a God that heals. He's a God that delivers. Won't you come? As we worship, just for a few moments this morning, God bless you this morning. We love you. Won't you come? Hi, everybody. This is Pastor Jade Abrams here. I want to thank you for joining us today. And I also want you to connect with us. You can find us on all the social media platforms listed below. And we would love to catch up with you, hear what God has spoke to you, and continue to follow us. And we love you, and God bless you.